Welcome Waypoint Online. We're so glad that you're tuning in with us this morning. Mike has prepared an incredible message for you and we have some amazing worship as well. Many of you have asked how you can give during this time of quarantine and we'd like you to know that there are two options available. You can mail your offering here to the church using our address. That address can be found at the bottom of our website. You could also use our church center app and click on the give section. Now we're going to enter into our time of worship. The Bible tells us that the church is not the building, but rather lives within us. We'd love for you to join us wherever you're at and however you are watching. Let's get ready to worship. I was lost with a broken heart You picked me up, now I'm set apart From the ash I am born again Forever safe in the Savior's hands You are more than my words could say I'll follow you, Lord, for all my days Fix my eyes, follow the ways Forever free in unending grace Cause you are, you are, you are my freedom We lift you higher, lift you higher Your love, your love, your love never ending Oh, oh, oh You are alive in us Nothing can take your place You are all we need Your love has set us free of the darkest night let your love be the shining light breaking chains that will hold me you set your son down and set me free everything of this world will fade I'm pressing on till I see your face I will live that you will be dead I won't stop till your kingdom you are, you are, you are my freedom. We lift you higher, lift you higher. You love, you love, you love, never ending. Oh, oh, oh. You are alive in us. Nothing can take your place. You are all we need. Your love has
excited to be here with you once again online. Um, I don't know how it's going at home, but uh, for us here, I can tell you that we miss you. It's uh, empty space, and that's just the honest truth. We, we miss you, and we love you guys, and we're always thinking about you, uh, and especially thinking about you right now in this season. Uh, it's very dark. It's very, it's hidden with a bunch of unknowns that, um, that are here to be revealed, and we're kind of put in this position of uh, what do we do? Do we pause? Do we, do we doubt? What do we do? And I honestly think this is a great, great time for us to introduce you this song. I can't imagine a better song right now to be sung uh, and to be declared in worship. This song's called Waymaker. It's pretty popular right now on radio. So a lot of people are listening to it at church. And, and I think the importance while we're singing this song and while we're reading the words or while we're praying these words in our head or in our mind where we sing this out that this season that we're in is not this isn't God that's not God's identity God's identity is truth and love and grace so we're super pumped to sing this with you and to keep worshiping with you guys so let's sing together You 
Thank you that even though that we don't know or understand or could possibly comprehend what is happening, you remind us of how good you are. You remind us to stay strong in you, to stay joyous in you, and to stay loving and graceful to everyone around us in our community, our neighbors, our family. We thank you for this reminder. And above all, I just pray. I just pray for peace. I pray for peace that you come and that you move. And show us the way maker that you are. We love you, God. And everyone said as loud as they possibly could in their homes or in a coffee shop, wherever you are, just yell it. Amen. Well, friends, uh, we love you. We miss you. And we're so excited that you tune in with us this morning to worship. Uh, We have a great message coming up here from Mike. So stay tuned. Check this out. Good morning, Waypoint. We're so happy that you're joining us this morning online. Uh, It's been said and said, and I just want to continue to echo this, that I think one of the neat things about this experience is the fact that we get an opportunity to display to the world uh, that the church is not a set of buildings. Um, You've heard, you know, pastor after pastor say it, church after church, but I do want to highlight and echo that, that there is a unique uh, opportunity that we have. And so while this has been uh, difficult, challenging, um, I think there's also been Um, some honor that we've given God, displaying to him uh, that we want to praise him, whether it's in our living room or uh, whatever room we're in, um, that we have an opportunity to come together and be the church. I've been missing uh, the community aspect of coming here on Sunday mornings and getting together with everybody. Um, But realistically, that's just not um, obviously going to be happening. Um, And so with that, um, I think it's, it's a cool thing that we're doing. So I do want to thank you for taking time out of your morning this morning to join us. And my hope and prayer is that, that this morning you'll be reminded of God's love. Maybe some of you had an incredibly good week this week and it was just, it was a nice week at home where you were able to spend time with your family. Maybe some of you, the quarantine is driving you just insane and your kids are driving you nuts. It's been a tough week. Uh, maybe some of you 
uh, know some people that have been uh, infected um, or have been tested. And so whatever you're going through this week, whether it's uh, been a good week or a really bad week, we just want you to know that uh, God does love you. Um, I think sometimes that sounds cliche because we say it all the time, but we want you to know that God does love you. He cares for you. He values you. Um, he, he's a God of hope. And I think during this time and this season, it has been feeling um, sometimes hopeless and challenging and confusing, but we want you to know that God does love you. And so this morning, I just wanted to start off with just letting you know how grateful we are as a church that you've, that you've joined us. Um, and I also just, I wanted to start off in prayer this morning. So if you would join me um, right from your living room, please join me. Dear God, we come before you. We're grateful. Um, in this season, in this time of unknown, it can be scary. It can be confusing. It can be very challenging. And God, there's moments of complete fear where we don't know or have all the answers, but we know you do. And right now, God, you, you deeply care for us. You care for the individuals around us. You care for those who have been affected by this. And you care for those who have been infected by this, God. Um, whether it's financially, um, financial struggles, um, whether it's actually dealing with coronavirus itself, we know, God, that you do have a plan. I ask that our mindset would continue to focus on that plan because it's, it's tough sometimes. The reality is that we, we want answers. We want to know what the future holds. We want to know uh, that we're financially stable. We want to know that our families are taken care of. And sometimes when things like this are going on, it's really tough to see. Um, it's, it's tough to trust you at those times. And so what I ask God is that in our homes this morning, we would trust you we would understand that you have a plan through all this and your plan is to ultimately make your name known. And so when this, when this um, dies down or blows over, God, may we still be standing um, in faith. May we be standing as individuals who, who trusted you through the storm. Much easier said than done, God, but I ask that you'd fill us with your Holy Spirit to allow us the courage to continue on every day. May you give us patience as we're quarantined with those that we love. It's easy to get frustrated, angry, and take, take our anger out on those that we love and we're trapped and feeling bored and feeling like we're just isolated in our houses. And I just ask for patience. And for those that are sitting in their homes right now, I just pray specifically patience over them. We are grateful for you, God. We love you. And it's in the amazing name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, like I said, I hope that this morning is an opportunity to remind you of a few things. And something that I'm going to be talking about today is, is much easier said than done. It's much more challenging um, because it's one of those things that we can lose sight of. And what, what I titled this sermon was, it was something that has been on my heart and it's called Your Message Matters. And I want to let you know that today your message does matter. And there is multiple things, multiple elements of your message that when you put a bunch of different things that we're gonna be talking about today, when you combine them and put them in a blender, you get this full picture of communication, 
of what your message looks like. You see, all of us are living, we're all displaying messages, we're all attaching ourselves to messages, we're all giving messages through our communication. We want people to know um, that we are attached to things and, and how we do that is by giving a message, by the way that we talk to people, by how we communicate. That is sometimes how we get our labels and that is sometimes the way that we're able to um, tell people that we're attached to something. Like I said, if we want to be known as Christ followers, the message that we ta- attach ourselves to is that we were sinners saved by grace and we accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior and through that we will experience eternal life with him. We'll experience harmony with him. That's the message as a Christian that you want to attach yourself to. If you're an individual who wants to attach yourself as a, as a family man, then what you're gonna do is you're gonna do all those things that will let people know that you take your family very seriously, that you prioritize your family. By the way that you act and by the way that you treat them, you will let them know that the message that you want to attach to is, I love my family and I prioritize my family. If you're a person that loves relationships, then what you're gonna do is you're gonna attach yourself to that message. The message that you're gonna display is, I value people, I care for people. Why? Because I want people to know that relationships is important to me. If your job is something that you take seriously and you want people to know that you're good at your job, then the message that you will be giving to people, the way you talk to people, the way that you plan, the way that you organize, the way that you prepare, the way that you work, all those things combined will display a message to people that, hey, I take my job seriously, I wanna be good at it. Maybe you wanna be the best at it. And so you will attach yourself to whatever message you can to let people know, this is what I wanna communicate to you. But through these things, sometimes we lose track of something that's very, very essential to the Christian life. And so today I wanna let you know that your message, it matters. And I wanna tell you that in Proverbs, there's a specific thing that it talks about our message. And I think it's one of the most probably misused tools that we have. But first, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever been around somebody, and maybe you know somebody, or maybe it's you, that whenever you communicate with them, the things that they say, the words that they say just seem very insensitive. They seem very harsh, um, They might even go as far to say, well, I just tell it like it is. I don't sugarcoat anything. I think we live in a society today that actually values not sugarcoating anything. There's almost a level of pride when somebody says, I just tell it like it is. I just speak the truth. I don't sugarcoat anything. And while we want to be individuals who speak truth, there is a way to speak truth. You see, God first loved us and the way that he communicates to us is through love. I've been around some, some people that they constantly tell the truth, but it's in a harsh, unkind way. And every time that I leave their presence, I feel maybe disappointed in myself. I feel a little bit of shame. I feel a little bit of anger and resentment towards them. I know these individuals And sometimes I get so caught up in what they have to say because I just think, oh man, what they're saying, it's so real, it's so true. They didn't sugarcoat anything. I needed to hear that. And then I start getting down on myself, down on myself. I think that is the type of society that we live in. I wanna highlight, it's important to tell the truth, to have that integrity. 
But there is a way to communicate a message of kindness, of grace, of love while still speaking the truth. Maybe that person that I just described is you. And my hope and prayer this morning is that God would give you a gut check and say, while I want you to display the truth, I want you to tell the truth. I want you to do it in love. I want you to do it in grace. I want you to do it in mercy because your message, it matters. And so, like I said, in Proverbs 18, 21, there's a part of scripture right here that is giving us an opportunity to know how to use our tools. But I think the tool that is in Proverbs 18, 21, <clears throat> excuse me, is the most misused tool maybe in scripture, maybe actually in the human body. It's the tongue. In Proverbs 18, 21, it says this. It says, the tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. <laughs> you see, your tongue actually has the ability to provide hope, but your tongue also has the ability to diminish it. There are so many times in my, in my life where I've used my tongue for purposes that have elevated myself and put others down. There's been so many times in my life that my tongue has been used to slander, to gossip, to tease. And there's been so many times, to be honest with you, that my tongue has messed up in my relationship with Megan and my marriage, where Megan was actually made in the image of God. And how I view her and how I talk to her should be represented that she is the image of God because she was made in the image of God. And so when I'm slandering her or when I'm talking negative to, negative to her or I'm, I'm frustrated with her, there's been things where I've said that I'm like, man, I wish I wouldn't have said that. I, should, I shouldn't be doing that. But the tongue, it can be poison. And there's been times where Megan's had hope and I've diminished it through that. Or there's been time where Megan's been frustrated and what she needed was my tongue to come and to be able to encourage her and to use my words to actually encourage and elevate her and sacrifice her but instead my tongue got out of hand and what I did was diminish more of her hope. Maybe you've been in a relationship before, you're in a marriage where constantly you feel belittled, you feel like you've disappointed the other person, they've said things to you and they've done things to you and you have went back and done those same things to them. You've used your tongue as a way to express anger, to express frustration, to be mean, to belittle. If you have done that, I'm telling you, you're using your tool in the wrong way because Proverbs 18:21 is very, very clear that the tongue has power of life and death and God is calling us to breathe life into individuals. That's exactly what he did to Adam. He breathed life into Adam. He used an opportunity to breathe life into Adam and when we were struggling with life, God came down and gave us an opportunity through Jesus and he breathed life into us once again. That is what you and I are called to do. We are called to breathe life into our spouse. We are called to breathe life into our coworkers. We are called to bring life to people around us. But too often we use our tongue for death. Maybe you're that individual, like I said, and you use those harsh words and you think that what you're doing is revealing truth, but what you don't realize is you're actually causing somebody more pain, more stress. 
And in moments where you have an opportunity to encourage them to experience triumph and victory, you are actually taking that life away from them through the power of your tongue. It is a big deal. We live in a society that doesn't even know how to disagree with each other, whether it's politics or it's church issues or it's topics that are close to our heart. We have struggled to be able to use our tongue in ways that can disagree. And so what we do is we constantly spew venom. Through our disagreements, we're belittling the other person. We're making them feel dumb for believing the things that they do. It's okay to disagree, but how you use your tongue is a really big deal because how we communicate and the message that we're trying to communicate can be done in love, even if it's a different message than what you have, than what I have. And Proverbs 18, 21 is trying to let you know that this is a powerful thing. Do not get caught up in using your tongue for death because if you do that, you are not, not communicating the message of Jesus. And I can tell you, I have struggled with this and struggled with this because there's been so many moments in my life where I've done this. And I wanna challenge you today and remind you today that there is a way to do these things in love. See, I think there's a couple tools that I wanna be able to display to you today. And I think there's, there's three examples that I gave here um, where God can give us a way, an alternate way, to be able to use our tongue and communicate our message. And so I wanna show those to you today. I think sometimes the first one is that I think sometimes we want to hold people accountable. We should be holding people accountable. There's times I've messed up, there's been times I've been dealing with stuff, I've been battling things, and I've had someone come alongside me and hold me accountable and say, hey Mike, how you doing? How are you doing it in this area? How are you treating Megan? How are you doing in this area? There's all these different questions they might ask me. But I think where we've gotten this wrong is sometimes we wanna criticize. In accountability, there is an element of truth that you are speaking into someone's life. But if you constantly find yourself criticizing instead of correcting, then I think you've missed the mark. Because I think there is a level of correction that goes on in accountability, healthy correction, letting someone know, hey, I have your back, I love you, but I wanna let you know that right here, you messed up. Right here, you made a mistake. Right here, you actually sinned. How can I help you get back on the right track? We're the church, we come around each other. But too often, how we say it and how we hear it sometimes are very valuable. Because how we say it, if we're constantly criticizing, that person is not hearing challenge. They are hearing defeat. They're hearing a lack of victory. They're hearing, I'm not good enough. So when you're holding someone accountable, if that's you, and you have an accountability partner, you hold people accountable, I wanna challenge you this morning that maybe the best way to go about that is to recognize that correction is better than criticism. I'll tell you a couple, it was actually interesting, I was even thinking about this as I was kind of preparing uh, my talk, was I was going back a couple years ago, and about probably three or four years ago, I had a review, um, I had a review here at Waypoint. So at the end of, you know, every year, just like probably in your jobs, you, you have a review and you look at the things that you could work on, the things that you're doing well, and it helps you set the tone and goals for the next year. And so I had a review with Blair, who's our lead pastor, and I was, I was coming into that re the review very afraid because I thought, oh man, like I'm, I'm coming into this review. I know there's things that I am doing wrong and, and I know that I'm already recognizing them. I'm already hard on myself. 
I don't need someone else to tell me all the bad things I'm doing. And so I was really nervous, struggling to sleep the night before thinking, oh man, I really messed up here. This is probably what's gonna be said. Because I had been in reviews in the past at times where you almost walk away feeling so discouraged because of the tone and some of the things that were said, not from Blair, but just from a previous experience. And I thought to myself, man, this is probably gonna be the same type of experience. Even though Blair never does that, I just, in my mind, I thought, this review is gonna be just a criticism fest. I walked into that review and I suddenly remember the type of person that Blair is. See, Blair understands accountability. He understands that correction is the thing that will challenge you. I walked away from that review, even though there was things that were said that I needed to work on, I walked away from that view, review feeling challenged and encouraged. Why? Because I was corrected, I was not criticized. If you're a parent, I think you could use this because we're teaching and guiding and holding our children accountable. If you're a parent that is constantly criticizing your kids, maybe God wants you to know this morning that there's a different route and it's called correction. Criticism is the thing that our society wants to do. We wanna criticize the left. We wanna criticize the right. We wanna criticize people who are not Christians. People that aren't Christians wanna criticize Christians. We're all against each other, it feels like sometimes, in our society. We constantly are wanting to criticize and let those people know that, hey, if you don't agree with me, you are wrong, you are dumb, you are obviously not smart, you don't understand what you're doing. We wanna constantly criticize. And I think because of that criticism, we have a lot of broken and hurt people walking around. And if you would recognize, and I would recognize, that instead of criticizing, we could actually find a way to be healthy by correcting those that we love. Maybe, just maybe, we would start to be challenged and through challenge, we would see growth. Like I said, I walked out of that review with a deep respect and love for the person that I worked with because instead of criticizing me, they challenged me. They corrected me. If you're a parent this morning, please note that there is a way to guide your kids and it's through correction. The second one would be this. I highlighted a little bit in the beginning. Speaking truth. I think there's a way to speak truth. I think sometimes we speak truth without empathy and truth without empathy can come across as mean, can come across as hurtful, it can come across as I don't care about you, I just look at you as a task and I have an agenda. But how we can speak truth is in love. What does that mean? You say, how can I speak the truth in love? Well, I think you can use things like kindness, mercy, grace, correction in the way that you speak truth. If you are coming from a place where you have a lack of empathy and you're gonna speak into somebody's life they're gonna feel like they're a task potentially. They're gonna feel like your agenda is to fix them. Can I tell you that God did not call you to fix anybody? God's last commandment, Jesus' last commandment to you and to me is to love others. And in loving others, there is gonna be accountability. There is going to be correction. There is going to be challenge. There's going to be truth that's spoken because we have to continue spurring one another on. But what he didn't say is, I want you to fix those people. Because the only person, the only one that is capable of fixing anyone is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is gonna do the conviction. 
You and I are to love. So when we're speaking truth, if you have a lack of empathy, I believe that you are missing this. I go back to parents or to marriages. If you were speaking to your spouse or you were speaking to your children with a lack of empathy, they're gonna constantly feel like you are nagging them, that they are a project, that you are trying to fix them. If you speak to them in love, what they are going to recognize is this individual, my spouse or my parent loves me, they care for me, and they want to see what's best for me. The third example that I would probably um, say that's a big one is understanding. Understanding has a couple components. It's not saying that I agree. It's saying that I'm going to listen to you and I'm gonna be slow to anger. But I think too often we're quick to judge. See, God calls you and me to be individuals who are loving one another. And a part of love is understanding. You see, God understood that there was a sin problem. So what did he do? He could have easily judged us. He could have said, man, these humans, I'm done with them. This is just getting ridiculous. They're sinning. I'm tired of this. But through understanding, there was love that came, that came down to earth. And instead of judging, God was slow to anger. And because he was so patient, he put his anger aside and actually died on the cross for you and me. I'll tell you, if I would have been hanging on a cross after being mocked, spat on, abused, all forms of mistreatment and an absolute pain, there's no way I would have been slow to anger. I would have looked at those people and said, I'm more, more than capable of taking you all out. But because God understood and he did it in love, he understood that there was a sin problem. He didn't judge. He did the opposite. He was so slow to anger that he hung on the cross for you and me, and he died for our sins. I think if we lived in a society that understood the mission, that understood what love actually looks like, we wouldn't be so quick to judge someone that's different than us. We wouldn't be so quick to judge people that disagree with us. Maybe we could say, you know what? You're different than me. I don't agree with everything you're saying, but I do love you because I understand, or I'm at least trying to understand where you're coming from. And if you cannot have the capacity to understand where somebody is coming from, you should still be kind, believe it or not. If you can't get to a place where you understand where they're coming from, you think, I don't understand how you could get to that place. I'm never gonna understand how you got to that place. Guess what? It doesn't matter you still need to be kind in the way that you communicate. Why? Because we are trying to display a message. And we're gonna get into what that looks like here at the end. Now, I think it's interesting because 1 John 4, 16, I think spells it out. And so what I wanna do is I wanna read this verse and then I wanna give you four examples of what I think we can blend together to create a message. I think there's a formula of what a message looks like and how we communicate it. And there's four things, there's four things. So what I wanna read to you is 1 John 4, 16. In this part of scripture, I think we see exactly what God is trying to do in us and through us. And we have to make sure that we get this right. And this comes down to the message that we're trying to display. So 1 John 4, 16, it says, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us because God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. <laughs> How many times do we communicate or have a message that doesn't involve love? 
the times that I've been angry. Man, you get me on the sports field on the golf course, I can tell you, you're not gonna see a lot of love right there. But the problem is, is God is calling you and me, as we can see in 1 John 4, 16, to love. Why? Because we rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. If we call ourselves Christians, which is very difficult to do sometimes, trust me, I get it. I'm in ministry and my goodness, do I struggle with this sometimes. Somebody cuts me off on the road, the last thing I wanna do is show them love. I wanna show them something, but it ain't love. And I think that sometimes what happens is that we do not rely on God's love and recognize that if we live in him and he in us, that we are to display the message of love. And so I wanna give you four practical examples of what a message has in, in it, what, it, what a message involves. So I'm gonna give you the first one. Because God communicates his love for us, and if we're following Jesus, we should recognize that this first one is a huge deal, and it basically goes back to Proverbs 18:21, and it's this. Your message matters because the words that you choose, the first one is words, the words that you choose are a really big deal. As you saw in Proverbs 18:21, you've heard it a million times that the power of the tongue is huge because it can create life or it can cause death. This is a really big issue. The words that you and I choose to use are essential to the message that we're trying to communicate. In a society that throws around any and every word, whether it's movies, TV shows, music, out in our daily lives, there's so many words that we can toss around and there's so many words that I choose to use sometimes on a, on a daily basis, it feels like, that aren't uplifting. There's been times where, man, I'm talking bad about somebody because they're just ticking me off. There's other times where I'm being mean to Megan and I'm saying, I'm grumpy. It's been a long week. I'm tired. I'm quarantined. It's easy for me to get up, get up in the morning and just say, you know what? I'm not going to use words that are kind today because I'm just grumpy. And you know what? I deserve to be grumpy because I'm quarantined and all this stuff. It is so easy to get wrapped up. There's, there's moments where I don't even mean to and I'm just being insensitive and I'm saying something and it hurts somebody. And I have to recognize, wow, the words that I choose to use are a really big deal. And too often you and me are using words that don't fit the message that we're trying to communicate, a message of love. The second one is this. It's huge to the point where you might not even recognize that you're actually doing it. The second one is tone. Ooh, tone. Megan and I love this one. I don't know how many times we've gotten mad at each other because of tone. She's said something that is actually just like normal, but because there was maybe a hint of tone in it, I'm taking it real seriously and I'm getting frustrated or I've asked her something and it, it could be just a regular ask, like something nice, but there's a, there's a tone in it. Now she's frustrated with me. How does this sound? Hey babe, can you do the dishes? Fairly normal ask, right? How does this sound? Babe, can you do the dishes? See, it's interesting. The same message, different tone. Same words, essentially, different tone. A tone is a big thing. And I think when we look at Proverbs 18, 21, and we look at the power of the tongue, we just think words. The power of the tongue creates tones as well. What tone are you using with your spouse? What tone are you using with your children? What tone are you using with your coworkers? Are you a person that sugarco doesn't sugarcoat anything 
And so you just think that you can say whatever you want and you can use whatever tone because that's the society that we live in. Again, it's one of the elements that does not depict the message of love. The third one would be this. I think it's big. Body language. Like I said, I want to give you some very practical things so that you know that the message that you're trying to display is one of kindness, mercy, and grace. Body language. It's a big deal. I think sometimes people look at Christians, they look at our body language, they see a lack of joy. They see a lack of happiness. They see a lack of of victory. I think this is easy to do because we live in a world that we're tired. You're chasing kids around all day. You're arguing sometimes with your spouse. You're having a tough day with your coworkers. It's easy to come home with slumped shoulders. I get it. It's easy to come home with a body language that says, I've had a tough day. I went through the ringer. And you know what? Your house is a safe place and you should be able to slump your shoulders and sit on your couch and rejuvenate. That's, that's what home should be. But can I tell you that sometimes our body language displays a message of hopelessness. It goes right along with the words that we use and the tone that we give. Body language, it's a big deal. And you and me should be aware of it. The fourth practical step that I would say that's really big that goes into this idea of message And it's probably one that you could argue would bring the other three together and it's actions. I've heard a lot of times people say, I want my actions to display Jesus, use words if necessary. You've heard all that type of stuff that I wanna be a Christian and I want my life to look like Christ and if I have to use words, I will. I think that's important. But I also think that words, if you remember, it doesn't just say they cause death. So don't forget the impact of words. Words create life too. But your actions lined up with your words is gonna be a testimony that will be of incredible value, incredible power. Too often I've, I've been the person or I've met people where they say things and then their, their actions don't line up. I've done this so many times I can't even count. I've said one thing, set goals, said this is what I'm going to do, and then my actions do not line up with it. Heck, my coworkers could say this. There's been times where I've said I'm going to do something and I don't do it. There's been times at home where I've, I've said I'm going to do something and I don't do it. Unfortunately, that's a huge miss because the message that I'm trying to display is not one that adds up necessarily to the consistency that I want to have knowing that I want to do things that line up with what God is saying. I want to have my words and my actions line up so that I can have a testimony to display to people. One of the things that I love about the scriptures and I see is that Jesus said that he was going to come. There was, this was prophesied. It could have just been one of those things that was said and we're hoping and we're hoping, but you know what? He put this into action and that action defined those words because he hung up on a cross exactly like he said he would. There was a Messiah that came to save you and me and it was displayed through a mixture of actions and words. If we were able to line those things up, 
Can you imagine what our world would look like? We have a lot of people saying things and then not doing them. Sometimes we have people that have good intentions that are doing good things, but the way they communicate them through their words is not kind, is not grace-filled, is not merciful. See, I think if your words and your actions lined up, you create a great testimony. I think if your words and your actions do not line up, you cause death, you cause harm. Proverbs 18, 21. See, actions, actions involve causing life and causing death. The power of the tongue as it's discussing words, you're also acting when you're speaking and you're creating an atmosphere through your tone, through your words, through your body language, through your actions that displays the message that you want to give. And the message that I think that you and me want to be giving is a message of love. So today I want you to remember that words plus tone plus body language plus action, that equals message. That equals all the things that you are trying to display in your life. If you're an individual that wants to display Jesus to others in your life, you're gonna have to recognize that the words that you say and the tone in which you say them and the body language that you have and the actions that line up with those words are gonna be essential to your message in displaying Jesus. You see, you are a child of God and I'm a child of God. And the message that we wanna display is always gonna be one in love. Why? Because 1 John says that to have God live in us and us live in him, it involves love. The greatest of these things is love. But here's the other issue that I think sometimes we run into. We wanna be individuals who treat other people the way we would wanna be treated. It's just a natural human thing. You would say, I want, in fact, we're commanded. Treat others as you'd wanna be treated. But there's some people, maybe, a few out there that would say, well, I really don't care how anybody treats me. That's no big deal. It's not a big deal to me. Doesn't matter. And what I would say is the fact that, you know what? It does matter. It matters how you want to be treated because the message that you're giving yourself is crucial to staying healthy as well. The words that you say to yourself, the tone that you have towards yourself, the actions that you have towards yourself, you have to get to a healthy place. God is calling you and me to love others like we love ourselves. But if we are not healthy in loving ourselves, we'll never be able to project a message of love. It's why the things that you say to yourself, the things that the enemy lies to you, the things that you buy into, the words that you believe others that say to you are important. When you take in a lie from the enemy or a lie from somebody else, what you're essentially doing is you're receiving a message that will cause harm and ultimately cause death to your soul, to your joy, to your pride. How you have, what message you receive for yourself is just as crucial, crucial as the message that you project out onto others. That's why I think that these things are more than words. So your gossip, it's gonna cut. It's gonna cut deep. If you've ever been gossiped about, it probably really hurts because you, if, if, you've, if, you've been, if you've caught someone gossiping, 
it hurts because you know that they're talking bad about you. Your criticism, it's going to cut deep. Your teasing, it could cut deep. However, your encouragement will build. Your compliments will build. And your accountability and correction will build. I think that when you communicate the right tone, you will set the right tone. I think it's crucial that in communicating a tone of joy will create an atmosphere of joy. So I like to say that when you're communicating, your tone will set the tone. When you're communicating, your tone will set the tone. It's really a big deal. There's been times where I've went home with an attitude and what fills my house? Well, an attitude. There's been times where I've went home with anger. What fills my house? Anger. If you're quarantined right now, which we all are, you have the ability to actually set the tone in your own house. You have the ability to create the message in your own house today. If you're a husband and father, can I challenge you this morning to set the tone in your own home? Can you imagine if we set a tone of love and kindness and mercy in our own homes today? What that would do? You talk about a fast spread. Right now we are dealing something that is spreading very quickly. But I wanna, I wanna tell you that I believe this is true, that we have the ability to spread a message and it starts in our individual hearts and it starts in our, our individual homes. And it's the message that you and I create. So if you are a husband or a father in your home, being one myself, I wanna challenge you this morning that the way you communicate to your children, how you correct your children, how you understand your children, how you love your wife, how you talk to your wife, all those things are gonna matter and they're going to create a tone. They're going to create a message that displays to your family, I love God, I love Jesus, I, wanna, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit and I want to place that identity on you. I want to let you guys know that I am trying to pursue Jesus with my actions, with my tone, with my body language, with my words. And instead of creating death in your heart, I want to create life in your heart. There's a scripture that I really like. It's John 15, 13. It's a very popular scripture, but I think there's a lot of power in it. And it says, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. I, I think what this is saying to you and I is if you have an agenda this morning or you struggle with your tones or you struggle with your anger or you struggle with criticizing, or you struggle with gossiping. Maybe it's time to create a message of love and what that looks like is you're gonna have to lay your pride down. You're gonna have to lay your agendas down. You're gonna have to lay your tones down. You're gonna have to lay your criticizing down for the sake of the message. My challenge for you this morning is simply that you would recognize the four areas of what a message makes up. If you work on being careful with the words you choose and how you say them and the body language that you have and that your actions will line up with your words, you and I will create a message of love that will represent the ultimate message of love and that was that Jesus came down to save you and me. The message that Jesus is trying to communicate is not making bad people good people. It's that you and I were dead in our sin. 
And because of Jesus' sacrifice, you and me have an opportunity to experience life with him. I think it's a big issue. And I think that if we recognize that we need to be receiving a message of love ourselves, like in Luke 6.31, do, not do to others as you would have them do to you, I want you to recognize that you would like to receive a message of love. We all crave it. We want to be talked to with words that aren't hurtful. We don't want to be experiencing angry tones. Nobody wants that. We don't want people's actions not lining up with what they're saying. And we want to look at somebody and see joy, especially if we're looking at our fellow Christians, our fellow believers, our brothers and sisters. And if the enemy's lying to you this morning and you've bought into a message other than you are a child of God and you are loved by God, you are receiving the wrong message. And if that's the message that your heart has been filled with, you will not be able to project a message of love to others. So what I want to do this morning is I I want to just essentially, I want to close with some prayer. But I want you to think about the things, the four things, the practical things that maybe you could work on. Heck, I know I could work on all four of them. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're an individual who spews words. You're okay with not sugarcoating it. And you'll just say it like it is. Can I warn you that a truthful message that's not filled with kindness can be a harmful message? A message full of truth that, is, that has wisdom in it and loving advice and things that are going to bring life to the individual is what we're called to do. Watch what words you use. Watch the tone that you say. As somebody who has joy and hope, we're not always gonna be happy but look to the body language that you're using. Are you displaying to people that you have hope in Jesus? It's something I struggle with, body language sometimes. It's easier, easy for me to get down and slump my shoulders. And then lastly, your actions. Are your actions lining up with what you're saying? If you can do those four things, I believe you will be able to project a message of love. If you would, would you pray with me? Dear God, this morning we come before you. Wherever these individuals are listening today, I ask that your Holy Spirit would challenge them to communicate a message of love. We rely on that love, God. The scriptures say it. You are love. And if we are trying to display you to others, then we will figure out a way to display a message of love to others. We will be careful about the words that we use to our spouse, to our children, to our coworkers, to the people that we come in contact with. We will recognize that words can cause death to our soul. We will recognize, God, that the tones that we use are a part of that message. When we use an angry tone, God, sometimes, if not all the time, we we'll get angry results. May the tones that we use reflect the words that we're using. May our body language, God, be people of hope, people that recognize that, you know what? We might be walking through the storm right now, but I have hope in Jesus. Goodness, this is hard. 
So much easier said than done. So often, God, I have been a person that if you would just look at me, you would not see somebody who's overjoyed. You'd see somebody who's walking through difficult stuff, just like we all are. I don't want to be that. I want to be a person that displays through my message that I have hope in you, Jesus. And lastly, God, may our actions line up with our words to create a testimony of love, to create a message that portrays to others, we don't have it all together. You never expected us to have it all together, but our hope is found in you, Jesus. You are love, and so we will relay that love to others. My prayer this morning is that we would look in our own hearts. We would look in the four areas and say, which one do I need to work on? Maybe it's all of them. Maybe it's two of them. Maybe if we start looking at those four things as an opportunity to create a message as a whole, we would recognize that we can give people the full picture of love if we work on one of those elements or all of those elements. And I'm sure there's more. But may we start with just those four today. May your Holy Spirit run deep through us, knowing, God, that we are extremely grateful for what you did for us on the cross. I also want to pray for those that are receiving a message from the, the enemy or receiving a message from others that have been one that has been filled with a lack of hope or lies that we've bought into or cruelness or unkindness. If we're receiving those messages, God, and it's bringing us down, bringing us down, and we've now lost the message that you're trying to tell us that we are loved and we are children of God, may, we, may those individuals receive a new message today. May they be reminded of this message. God, you love us. You care for us. We can trust you. And you want a relationship with us. We were sinners and we are saved by grace through you, Jesus. May that be the message this morning that we hear. And may we be able to project that message of love out to others. We love you, Jesus. We're grateful. We say all these things in the amazing name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, thank you so much this morning for joining. Um, I'm humbled and honored to be able to be in your living room this morning. We are so just incredibly grateful that during this time, God can still shine through. There's been people throughout the world that have been doing church um, essentially underground. So this is, this is nothing new essentially. Um, we're doing this now online. But may we keep in mind that God's church has always continued to thrive because God is a God of hope. Thank you for joining us. We love you.
Jesus, we love. 
much for joining us this morning. It is our prayer that the message and worship blessed you today. We'd like you to know that we'll continue to post things on our Facebook page and other social media. And if you've missed messages in the past, go to our YouTube channel and you can find stuff there. Have an amazing week and we do look forward to seeing you again soon.